And welcome back in another edition Stripe Show Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. My man, Garrett Kengo, he uh, he pulled it off. First official start on the PGA Tour. Well, if you want to start the PGA, I guess you could count the PGA as a, a start on the PGA Tour. But I look at this one as the first start for the young 23-year-old from the European Tour you watch the podcasts, you watch the gambling shows, you know darn well who Garrick Higo is. He's won three times on the European tour. And now he makes his way over here and he comes out with the bang. The South African love his game. And I thought, you know, there's one guy that I know that knows everything about Garrick Higo. And he's a fellow South African. And you hear him on CBS Sports all the time. You hear him on PGA Tour Radio. He does a great job. And he joins me here, Mark. Immelman, you've got to be over the moon for this young man, don't you? Really, yeah. It was a thrill. Um, you know, everywhere he's he's one of those sort of generational talents. He and he and Wilco both, to be honest with mm-hmm. you. But but Garrick's got a little something about him, and everyone's sort of known. I, I met him for the first time at the uh, the Junior Presidents Cup back in 2017, and his game was one thing, but I was just struck at just the manner of the man. He mm-hmm. is so well put together and so. That's just everything in perspective and, and full of manners and, and polite and and just a gem of a human being. And and he made an impression upon me then uh, as a young you know teenager then and then came to college for a bit. And then, well, hey, all of a sudden now he's one of the leading golfers in the world. Now, <laughs> I, I don't want to say that we're not surprised, but to a certain extent, you're always surprised because the level of competition is so deep. But you could see he had all of the tools and you could see he had all of the mental moxie. And can, you can see by, you know, some of his life events, he sort of got stuff into perspective a little bit too. So, you know, to be there, to be on site, to spend a little time with him, to to call his action in the final round, it was a thrill to see and to and to be there and to be the first one to tell him that he had won because he was on mm. the driving range. I, I'm 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 honored. I'll I'll be honest with you. Yeah, he. Um, there's a lot that you to unpack there that you said. He went to college, um, UNLV, mm-hmm. and uh, he spent he's spending his time, of course, primarily on the European tour, where he's won twice this year. And I get up and I watch European tour in the morning, and I'm just sitting there and I'm watching this Garakego over and over again, and I'm like, all right, he's got the long game. You know, he's impressive off the tee, three ten, three fifteen, cruising speed. You know, just doesn't even look like he's really trying and it's out there 310, 315. He, you know, he can go longer than that if he needs it. His iron game is sharp. His short game looks good. His putter looks really good. I think right now he's second putts per green. They don't have the stats on the European tour that the PGA tour has, but he's an impressive putter mm-hmm. as well. Like there's no weaknesses there, but more than that, I'm just watching this kid. I'm like, man, he just looks mature. He looks comfortable. He looks like he belongs. I remember he was playing in a tournament. He was up to, I think it was a second win on the European tour. He rolls into the back nine. He makes a hole in one. <laughs> and then he goes, and then the next hole, he makes another birdie. I mean, he's just like, you know, you could just tell like he belongs. He's confident. He's taking it as it comes. I'm not surprised. I'm really not. I, I actually sprinkled a little on him to win at the PGA thinking, why not? I mean, the kid could come over here and kind of a Lynx fill. And, and I hit him this week, 47 to one. Um, he was my pick on cash out with the coaches. And I've been telling coachmen and the others, I'm, I'm telling you, man, this Higo is the real deal. He's got the game and this maturity is just next level. Talk about his golf swing. Cause I know you were out there with him on the range 
and he's made some comments in social media about his swing. What are some things that he's working on right now, Mark? Well, to be honest, he said the main focus has been the short game, and um, I'm with you. Uh, you know, he's he's easy, long. He, he can he can generate up to about 123 mile an hour clubhead speed. Um, but the, the the putting, the chipping, the imagination. That is where I think he really thrives, and that's maybe why at Congaree, with the setup of that golf course there, where you could be creative around the greens, you know, he was the guy that sort of lasted because at the end it became a bit of a war of attrition, you know, with a wind switch and the final holes coming mm. into the wind, and and hence playing a little longer. So you know, it sort of mitigated ball striking a little bit, I would guess. Um, but as far as the the, the golf swing goes, he, he keeps stuff very very simple. Uh, he and his longtime coach Chris Barnard and. And I have to give him some props there because you know what it's like, you know, when you're an aspirant young golfer and things might not be going your way. It's easy to, you know, chop and change and seek out different opinions and stuff. But he's worked with Chris since he was a young boy mm. and he's remained true to his coach. And that speaks to the the old head on young shoulders, if you will. Um, but with the, the golf swing, you know, he he's not afraid of getting a tumbling hook once in a while. You know, it doesn't scare <laughs> him off. You know, it's... He, he hits a little sort of sliding draw, um, can fade it if he needs to, but it doesn't ever look like he's afraid to hit a bad one, mm-hmm. which I think is cool, which which allows him, like on the final hole yesterday, it's into, um, for him, a left to right wind, so maybe a little more comfortable than the right-handers, but it's narrow, you know, and, and you've got to put it in the fairway, you know, because the greens were firm, and, and he just gets up there and laces like this turning left to right down the fairway, and, and I was like, Phew. You know, that not just speaks to the golf swing, but speaks to the trust in the swing. So he keeps it very simple. Um, he's always working, if there is anything, with the tour striker bowl between his forearms because he tends to sort of raise the arms and the trail elbow gets to lifting and in behind him and stuff gets sort of a little loosened across the line. And so it makes change of direction a little harder because he tends to be sort of slidey through the balsam if you watch his forward foot. It rolls over uh, a little bit like old school, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, um, so so he's working on just trying to keep the elbows a little more pinched, I guess. You know, that allows him to, to govern the backswing a bit more with his body and keep things a little shorter and tighter. And I think it's why he, it, I, I would say if there was a hallmark to his game, it's the short game is good, but he's a wonderful iron striker. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it's because of that where he just tries to keep things a little more short, a little more in front. It's not like he doesn't look like he's chasing distance all of the time. That's why he's 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 a good iron striker. So very simple approach. You know, line up the backswing, keep the arms in front, and from there he just sort of pulls the trigger and whatever comes out, it sort of comes out. He doesn't have to be based about anything, you know. Yeah, there there's a there's a real simplicity, you know, I think, to these kinds of players. And we're seeing it a lot now. He doesn't strike me as a let's get on three D and track man and like let's make sure everything's really, really tight, you know. Yeah. Like he he, he kind of he just strikes me as let's let's give it some direction let's let me feel it let's let me discover it and then let me play golf right that's kind of that's my observation from the outside looking in I look at a swing and it is you make a good point it is kind of like a like an old school swing it kind of gets a little in behind them you know and then it gets a little cross and that and that tour striker ball will help him with that and then you know his legs you know are kind of they kind of drive out in front laterally he takes on side bend and like all these things a young man showing up modern lesson tee a lot of times, like a lot of coaches are going to change that. You know, they're going to be like, look, we got to keep your, we got to keep your pelvis underneath you. We got to get your spine more on top. We got to, you know, all those things, right. You get it. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I look at him, I'm like, man, I love the, I love the DNA, you know, in the swing. It's like a Will's out Taurus. It's a, there's a, 
it's kind of his swing, you know, and they, and it's not coached out of him. So his coach, you know, I think obviously has protected his genius and his talent and just kind of letting some of these things be, keep it simple, let the kid go play and find it because he can do that. I mean, he can, he can find it and he's not afraid to hit a bad shot. I think that's a, 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 a great point and, and something for people listening, particularly the younger generation, you're going to hit some bad shots. And he just does kind of tend to just flow with it. Like there's not, you know, he's, he almost looks like he's smiling, but he's not smiling and, but he's okay with whatever's going to happen. Right. And that's a real, that's a real gem and real skill to have just to accept what happens. I think it's and a lot of it also is the athlete inside. Um, high school, he went to a, a school very close to where we grew up called Paul Roos Gymnasium. And it's a, it's a very athletic school, you know, lots of rugby, cricket, mm. tennis, all that sort of thing. And, and all South African kids play everything. And you could see in him, you know, the athlete, because to your point, you know, he, he stays the upper body behind the thing as long as anyone in, I mean, Zalatoris, I think is comparable, but, but uh, he, he certainly, you know, there's in behind the thing. He's not allowed to hit it from under, he's not afraid to hit it from underneath the golf ball at all, where everyone else is trying to cover the thing and hit these trap fades, if you will. And, and he just gets out there and it looks like it's a, to me, sort of a point to point endeavor. You know, it's not like I have to hit the fade to this point. It's like, I just got to get the ball to that point and how it comes out and how it goes. I'm not going to be too flustered about because if it gets to where I'm trying to be, I'm sort of setting up the next shot. Now, there are times when you'll see him very trajectory a, a little bit. And, and, and to me, that's maybe why he won in uh, the Canary Islands a couple of times because it can get windy there. Mm. Where he grew up down in South Africa, it gets quite windy. So he, he can he can trap the thing, he can flat it down. But as as, a, as far as the side spin goes, I mean, when he was when he was just keeping loose prior to the potential playoff yesterday in Congaree, you know, he had a few wedges. You know, the distance control is always very tight with the irons. And then he went to a th- three wood. You know, smashed the first one. Second one came out sort of left and turning over real hard. But it's not like he ever looked phased about it. <laughs> And then, then, then he just stepped away and came and talked to me, and we watched golf on my television monitor for about five minutes. So it's it's wonderfully refreshing. And I think if, to your point, you know, lesson for someone listening, um, maybe in the interests of all this data access we have, and he has a launch monitor he works along with that, you know, when he's practicing prior mm-hmm. to events, um, maybe there's a little too much analysis going on. Where Garrick is just like club ball, target, get the ball there, and then advance. And and he really he has the length of the tee to compete anywhere. Um, but he doesn't always hit it as hard as he can. That's the thing. Um, and um, but it's all about setting up like what looks to me like the third shot. And 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 he's got a wonderful sort of savvy approach to to when he misses, missing the right spot. Mm. Uh, and and that I think is crucial to you know playing any style course and playing in any sort of conditions really. Well, he's 23 years of age. Um, I'm going to ask you about South Africa, Mark. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know your brother's got to be just so excited (laughs) right now. Trevor, of course. Together. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's got to be, he's got to be happy with his boy, Gary Kego. But here's Eric Van Royen tied for 10th. Yeah. Um, Wilco, Nina Berg. Did I say that right? Nina Berg. Nina Berg. T14 go. played very well. Um, take us to- I, I, I want to park there for a little bit. Okay. Wilco will turn your head. Um, yeah. And he, everyone's oogling over Bryson 
And what Bryson's done is admirable because of the sacrifice and the work that he's put in. But if Wilco decides to hit one, it's not going to be a contest. It will not be a contest. Okay. And Wilco won't even break a sweat, bro. I mean, this oh. guy, he's, he's built like a one iron. He's, he's an athletic man, fast. And he's got this big wide swing arc and he, he'll fly 350. Uh, you use the term cruising speed. I mean, he, he just does not break a sweat at all. I mean, I heard a story when he went out to Ping to go and test drivers, mm. or test clubs for the first time ever. And they got this net at the end of the range. And they've got some hitters on their squad. I mean, Bubba can move the thing. They got some guys off the tee on their staff that can really hit it. And Wilco was habitually flying the thing over the top of the net that they'd built to contain Bubba Watson and company. <laughs> So, so it's real, man. I got to tell you, I was, I was so selfishly yeah. hoping, um, Travis, that you know, last week in Congaree, that we would sort of get to introduce Wilco to the world because very soon the world's going to know who he is. That's now he, his game is raw. Um, he's working hard on his putting. He told me, um, man, the the ingredients are there, and he is. He could he could he could contend in long drive contests, and he plays on on the world's tours. Wow. Well, that's going to be fun to watch. I mean, it's Garrick Wilco. There's a, a guy over there by the name of Guido, who uh, is another uh, great player in Europe. And mm-hmm. I, I enjoy watching the European tour in the morning. It, you know, you got to get up and watch these. And, you know, the European tour certainly is not as deep as the PGA tour, but it's cool to see guys like Garrick come over here mm-hmm. and do this, you know, and, and win and show, look, these guys obviously uh, are the real deal. So many great players. Uh, from South Africa, take us down there, Mark, to South Africa, and 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 what it's like, what what how golf uh, is positioned there, but and the reason or a couple reasons, just so many great players, right, mm-hmm. coming from that region. Yeah, well, there are various reasons. First off, I mean, it's just a sporting nation, and you know, internet is hard to come by over down there, so people get out and play sport, and if you're athletic, you play everything. And in schools for the longest time, I'm not sure how it is now, um, you had to play a summer sport and you had to play a winter sport, no matter your level of athletic um, inclination at all. So so the, what we do is built on outdoor living and, you know, rugby and cricket and soccer are certainly the biggest sports there. Um, but because of Mr. Player and then by extension, Ernie else, certainly, you know, Ernie was like our Tiger Woods, you know, he made golf cool. And so... A lot of these Afrikaans-speaking kids that would be playing rugby and stuff like that, they picked up golf. And so that's a reason. Um, you got to hand some credit to the, the, the folks over there at Golf RSA. Um, Johan Rupert put so much financial, financial support and, and wherewithal behind the young talent. And then Golf RSA, led by Grant Hepburn and some of the folks over there, they're identifying kids, which was never happening, never used to happen. And um, they they they're allowing these these young talents the chance to compete and, and to, to to get out and and play against the best and be noticed because the truth of it is you know you can work on the game and and get good at your home club and be really good on the range but you really find your gears when you're competing against folks that are better than you and and then you see because you know necessity is the mother of all invention so. If you've got skill and then you get challenged by someone better than you, like Garrick and these guys that are making it onto the world's tours and then playing against the best, that's where it unlocks this other stuff in you. And so Golf RSA has had a big part to to play in that. And and then um, 
the Sunshine Tour is is also made these guys relevant, you know, in the deals they've done with with the European tour, especially. Um, it's allowed these young talents like a Dean Burmester, for argument's sake. So um, I don't know, you go you go back to Louis and Charles and even Trevor to, to a large extent. They all play through the European tour and they go over there. They play the challenge tour, which is hard slogging. And you learn about yourself. Brooks Kepka is a good example. Then you hopefully graduate to the European tour, which week in and week out, you're going to different countries, different courses, different languages, uh, different conditions. So you learn how to play golf quickly. And then from there, if you, you know, if you have the moxie and the wherewithal and you're good enough, then you can, I guess, start a tour on the PGA tour and hopefully make it. So the, the, the Sunshine Tour down there has, has had a large part to play in, in allowing these talents to develop further, you know, learn about the professional game and, and, and just um, continue to make strides in their career. Rapsodo Mobile Launch Monitor. Improve your golf swing today. Pro-level launch data in the palm of your hand. It is very accurate within 2% of a $20,000 unit. The Rapsodo MLM app automatically tracks stats and stores video with Shot Tracer, helpful for club gapping and understanding true distances for each club. Rapsodo MLM provides immediate feedback, data, and creates a better practice environment, not mindlessly hitting balls. Extremely portable, cases about the size of a rangefinder. And you know what? You can use it both indoors and outdoors. I love this launch monitor. It's the Rapsodo mobile launch monitor. Check it out at rapsodo.com. R-A-P-S-O-D-O.com. Rapsodo.com. Here we are, U.S. Open week on the Stripe Show podcast, and really honored to be joined by one of the best caddies in the game, one of the nicest guys out on the PGA Tour, Paul Tesori, joining us live from San Diego site of the U.S. Open, Torrey Pines. Paul, thank you so much for your time this morning. Man, I love that introduction. Can we just do a quick rewind and let you do that again? <laughs> um, that, that's gotten me all fired up. Yeah, uh, good to be out in San Diego. Uh, anytime uh, we got the U.S. Open roll around, it's a special place in my heart to kind of get after it a little bit. Now, Paul, were you there last time in 2008 when we had the epic battle between Rocco Mediate and Tiger Woods? I was. I was. Um, VJ, uh, who, who I was working for at the time, him and uh, – I think Jamie Love Mark might have had a battle for uh, uh, 68th or 69th, somewhere down there at the bottom. So uh, I don't remember who that was down there with us. But, no, uh, we made the cut but didn't play well. It really is an epic golf course. Can you? And we've seen some of the shots on social media uh, where we've seen how deep the rough is. What exactly – how long do you think this golf course is going to play? It's a big ballpark. They can make it as long or as short as they want it this week. Yeah. Yeah. So for a guy like Webb, one reason why we never play, um, you know, the tournament in late January, early February is that it's so cool. It's wet. The ball is going nowhere. And so obviously for Webb being one of the shorter players on tour, we're not that excited, but U S open Tory, it's a, it's a different golf course in a lot of ways. It brings guys like Webb brings his game kind of back more into the fold where fairways will matter. Wedge play will matter. The fairways will be firmer and faster, which will make the fairways play tighter. Again, good for Webb, but also bring in kind of more of the iron play. So uh, we get excited about uh, Tory U.S. Open. It's just a very different type of golf course. You'll still see, you know, your better players play well, but fairways are going to matter. And uh, the more fairways matter, the better it is for Webb. And the rough, they haven't messed around. Um, it is, uh, it's up. Uh, they usually do this to us on kind of Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. And then they'll listen to a lot of the, 
we can call them conversations or you can just call them complaints, whatever it is from the players. <laughs> and then they'll kind of make little adjustments. Wingfoot last year on Sunday and Monday, I didn't think anybody could beat 10 over par. Um, it was completely unfair. You know, if you were three yards off the fairway, it was just a pitch out where uh, from what I've seen and heard already this week, it's going to be a little more fair, just kind of as the hole progresses, as you get closer, it's going to get a little higher. So uh, they put a lot of thought and effort into it, and, and it's going to be a great test. Wow. So the rough off the tee won't be as high as, let's say, the rough that is around the greens. Exactly. As, as you kind of progress down the hole, you can just tell they've topped, they call it topping off. They'll top off the top layer. And the only reason why they do that, people think they're making the rough shorter. What they're doing is making sure the ball sinks to the bottom, which that's what they want because this rough, the the grass here, it's so thick that if they can get it towards the bottom by the root structure, it's just going to make it a lot more difficult to control, which is what they want. And, you know, if you're a couple yards off, you can get it. But as you start to get to that eight yards, 10 yards off, unless you can hit it in the people. Now, that's been a big advantage of Tiger Woods for a long time. Uh, some of those 82 wins and fill with those 45, if you can get it out by where the people have been and not hurt anybody, you're going to have a good lie. But if you're inside the ropes, it's going to be a tough one. So it's going to be a premium on fairways more than it will on distance, as, as really what seemed to be as of late. Absolutely, which, again, if you look at a 7,700-yard golf course on the water, you would think it's going to be all distance, and I think it is. Again, when you kind of look at the other part of the schedule, but this part, if you look at the leaderboard back in 2008, you saw a little bit of everything. Um, you saw Rocco Mediate was a very short hitter, but a great wedge player, chipper and putter. Obviously, Tiger, we know what he's done. Um, and then you saw what Heath Slocum was in the top 10. Um, uh, Brant Snedeker in the top 10. Lee so you, Westwood. <laughs> they, yeah, there you go. So you have guys that, you know, not necessarily maybe are known for their length, but they're guys that are really good iron players, great wedge players. Webb and I went through the round. We could expect to hit up to nine wedges a day. And people are like, what do you mean? Well, I mean, even if we have a great driving week, we're going to miss four fairways a day. That's 16 fairways during the week. We're going to lay up on eight to 10 of those. So I still really think kind of that mid iron play to wedge play and obviously around the greens. So I know you work with Webb on on his swing as well. And so what have you guys worked on hard coming into this, considering, like you said earlier, you don't play the event earlier in the year in February. Yeah, typically we would have kind of had all of that dialed in. Webb has been through a weird month period here where he hasn't been able to practice or play much. He hurt his neck, had to withdraw from his home golf. Right now he lives off the seventh hole at Quail and, he had to withdraw on Thursday morning from there with a neck issue, almost had to withdraw from the PGA. And then he got the flu, which yeah, it's back now uh, in 2021. Uh, and it was floored for five days. So number one, he's hungry to be here. Number two, he's excited to be here, but he is rusty right now. So we talked, he flew a short game guy in Pat Goss on Friday. Uh, we talked, we're really going to work hard on just tightening up the golf swing. We can get a little bit loose, uh, a little bit long and, what we call kind of incomplete where he'll kind of rush the downswing and he gets a little off. So we'll work hard on doing some completion drills, pause drills, uh, and make sure that we get at least kind of that ball flight that he's looking at to hit some fairways. Now, when I I know that you, you do work a lot with Webb on his swing and whatnot. Do you, is there a time to say something when you see something's a little bit off or is there a time you just kind of let it go and wait till the round's over? Yeah. I think that's the hardest part about what I do. Uh, Thankfully, we, we use Butch Harmon uh, a couple of times a year, and I let Butch say what he needs to say. But the hardest part, I think, about having your caddy as your swing coach is the same guy that you've been out doing battle with for five hours, whatever it is, and maybe didn't play your best, is the same voice that's about to tell you, hey, buddy, we need to go hit some balls. And that's not always the easiest transition. He kind of looks at you sometimes, why don't you go hit balls and I'll go have dinner or something <laughs> like that. Um, 
but uh, I've kind of learned now how to like kind of you know go about that. And on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I have free reign. I can say whatever. He might not always like it, and he'll let me know. Hey, I, I don't want to hear that right now. And if it's important enough to me, I have. He gives me the freedom to say I don't care. We have to work on this now. And today will be a long work day. He's flying up this morning. Um, I've been here. I'm rested up talking to you this morning and going to go out and get some work done. But it'll be a pretty good work day these next two days to make sure physically that we're in the right frame of mind. You know, we've seen a lot without the fans being on, on the golf course for so long. And I know it's going to be different this week as well. They will allow some fans their testing. And if you're vaccinated and whatnot, uh, I think they're going to re still require masks, even outdoors. Um um, you know, we've seen so much of the caddy exchange going on without fans. We've seen with Phil and his brother at the PGA. Uh, we had Rory and his caddy and that amazing exchange at Quail where he was just going to chop out. And his caddy's like, wait a second, we'd be better to take a drop. And it worked out. Has the caddy player exchange changed any at all? Or are we just seeing more of it now? It's definitely changed a lot. My first year out here was in 2000. And it was just at the time that we were about to start seeing a financial growth in the game. Tiger obviously busted on the scene in 97. Um, and then really started getting hot in 2000, where he went to the other level, won three majors, and the game exploded. So my first answer is I think anything in life, no matter what business you're in, the more money there is something, the higher level of expertise is going to come into that job. And right. there's going to be more, more people fighting for that job. So I think the first thing is the level of caddy, kind of the eliteness of caddy has changed a lot, where almost everybody out here takes their job seriously, works hard. They know the game. At the beginning, I'm a plus two. Uh, I was one of the top five best players out here. As far as caddies go, I bet there's 30 guys, 40 guys now that are as good as I am. And I think it's a valuable part to have on the job. And I think the last part is a lot of the guys that are caddy now grew up watching Bones. They grew up watching John Wood. They grew up watching Stevie and Tiger. So you always notice their interactions. And so the players notice their interactions. The caddies notice their interactions. And now what you're seeing is a lot of guys learning from the relationships that two of the best players of our time had. And they kind of mimic those, followed those. And I think it's for the best for most of the guys. Now, you might have the 10% of the guys that might need a little less info. Um, but I think for the majority, to be able to talk it through as a player and have the guy on your bag that understands, obviously, how to play the game, but also understands what you need, we're seeing more and more of that. And I get excited because I've been fortunate enough to get a lot of attention because of the guys that I've worked for. Uh, I think one of the greatest sayings by Fluff um, was, you know, what makes a great caddy is a great player. And I've been fortunate enough to work for some great players. And there's probably another 60, 70 guys out there as good as I am at the job that just don't get as much attention. Now, are things different in a major, the interaction that you're having with, with Webb throughout the round? Are they different in a major than they are, say, if you're playing even the players or, you know, maybe the RBC heritage? Is it a different interaction because the higher stakes? So for us, purposefully, no. We keep it the same now our preparation is very different. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday will look very different. A lot more course, a lot more talk about the course, because generally it's a different course each year, except for Augusta. So we'll do a lot more talking about Torrey Pine South uh, the first few days, even Thursday, Friday, Saturday, just a little bit more. We'll sit down for 15 minutes before the round, just kind of go over the wind direction, where the tee boxes are, where the pins are, what we're going to be thinking. But as far as on the golf course, we have the same mentality, and that is, in between, golf, in between shots is off time, so anything's up for grabs. We can talk about what you and I talked about this morning. We can talk about what you ate for breakfast last week. You can talk about, uh, you know, around the golf you played the week before, NBA final or NBA playoffs. We love watching the, 
the finals, uh, even though it's lost a little luster, there's still some fun uh, teams out there battling. So we'll try to fill that void always with non-golf stuff. So we'll try to keep it as simple as possible. Now, as far as picking your lines off tees and stuff like that, is that done today, tomorrow, and Wednesday? So, yes, for the most part. But, again, we know winds change all the time. So we still go over it before the round. We'll get the weather forecast out. We'll get the pins out. Generally, I already kind of know if they're going to do a tee box change or not just through word of mouth. And so we still go over each hole before the round and, and make sure there's no. We used to not do that. And we would find we would get in these arguments at least once a day where I'm thinking about either a three wood and he's on drive or I'm thinking about going this way and he's thinking about that way. And so now we try to get all that done before the round and just kind of, you know, minimize any type of that interaction where you're disagreeing about a club on the course. Now, will your strategy change at all considering uh, Webb's position in the tournament and what day you're playing? So I'd say very minimally. Um, if for some reason you've made the cut on the number going into Saturday, you'll you'll sit back and go, okay, hey, here we've hit three wood on number two. Today we're going to hit driver. Um, here on number, let's see what another good example out here might be. It's mostly drivers on every hole out here. But uh, if there is another hole, if there's another play where maybe they moved the tee up one day on 14 like they did in 2008 and made it drivable. You know, if we're close to the lead, it's an uncomfortable drive. We might just hit a three iron out there and a lob wedge in. But if you're, you know, right on the cut line or just made the cut, you'll go ahead and hit driver and send it and try to make something happen. But for the most part, it's going to be the same type of golf uh, with three holes to play. If you need to make something happen, you might make a different decision on 18. Uh, if it's a front left pin, the greens are firm, you're downwind, you might hit driver just to make sure you're hitting it from long versus short with a tough wedge shot. So there's a lot of that stuff that goes into it. We try to stay as close to the game plan as possible. That was an old tigerism, which is he never really changed, but you know, when you're leading 82 times or whatever that is, it's a little easier to go about and maybe right. the greatest putter of all time too. So uh, I, I take what he says. I, I put it in a little folder and I, I try to learn from it, but also realize we're talking about the greatest of all time. So it really is. I mean, t Tiger's game plan has obviously worked to perfection many times, Yeah, but you do see guys where sometimes they do tend to get a, a little tentative. Just yesterday watching Chess and Hadley, I feel like those last three holes, he played a little different than he had played going in. And sometimes playing safe, you know, not to make a football reference, but sometimes a prevent, a prevent defense does nothing but, but prevent you from winning. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's, it's smart to stick with the game plan all the way through. It, it really is. I think that goes right back to that part about kind of your routine. And Chesson's a good friend. His caddy cookie is a good friend of mine as well. And I was heartbroken for him yesterday to see it finish like that. You don't mind getting beat, but to, you know, bogey the last three, but the one thing that changed with Chesson was kind of his routine. Everything just got a little bit different. He got a little bit faster and you're nervous. Uh, he obviously hadn't been in this position a long time. He's only played two Sundays the entire uh, year of 2021 wow. going into this. So there was a lot on the plate. And um, I think if he has it to do over, he'll do better next time. Just slow down deep breaths. And these are things, thank goodness, I used to have to talk to Webb about, but I don't anymore. He's a veteran now, 13 years. He understands how important his breathing is. He understands how important his routine is. And, you know, that that's another big tigerism. You know, he's, he always tried to keep it the same amount of time, no matter if it was the 18th hole on Sunday or on Thursday, was he tried to keep it the same amount of time. I, I remember Charles Howell asked him that putt that he made to beat DeMarco at the Masters um, that he made to win in the playoff. And it had a little too much pace on it. It was going to go about three feet by. And, um, and, uh, Charles asked him, he goes, Tiger, you know, were you thinking about the speed of that putt, you know, going by, uh, you know, about maybe hitting it a little bit softer and Tiger didn't understand what he meant. He goes, I, I don't understand. He goes, well, you know, 
you, you still had another hole and goes that putt meant the exact same thing as the first one on Thursday. And so that mentality was, why would I change the speed of the putt? It's the same exact result as the one I hit on the first hole on Thursday. And so it's trying to get into that frame of mind. And Webb's been able to do that, which is why I still think he's one of the best players in the world, even in a sport where obviously our, our lack of length does uh, hinder us. Yeah, I mean, it does, but I feel like the, the U.S. Open has done all they can to try and negate some of the distance gains by making the rough longer and making putting a premium on fairways more than distance. And so it brings guys like Webb uh, into the fold. And so, for example, this week, looking at the odds, there's only 13 players with better odds this week to win the golf tournament wow. than Webb. So wow. um, I, I think the USGA has done a good job of trying to bring everybody back to a more level playing field than giving the advantage to the Bombers. I, I agree. with, And I think what happened is last year, it, it got flipped on them. Last year, it was all Bombers on the top of the leaderboard. And when they went through and they looked, they figured out why. And Bryson talked about it in his conference press conference, is that they made the rough so long that, you know, where Webb was hitting it and where Bryson was hitting it, it's about a 50-yard difference. Well, Bryson obviously has a huge advantage from 50 yards up. You couldn't hit the fairways at Wingfoot because all the dog legs left and the fairways were sloped this way. And so there they talked pretty hard. Jason Gore has done an incredible job uh, with the USGA in his first two years of setting the golf course up. He's going to do it again this week. And that's why the talk is to make the rough a little bit higher as you go down. Now, we're not talking about that much higher, but we're talking about this much. So if Bryson does hit at 340 and he's trying to take an advantage, his line might be a little bit worse than Webb, but Webb's going to be back, you know, 50 or 60 yards. And so that'll kind of at least bring, you miss the fairway, I miss the fairway, let's bring that up. You know, Brooks won the PGA at Beth Page Black, next to last in fairways hit for the week. Um, and the rough was so high that it kind of took only one style of player into play. And so I think that's what they've done this week. And Torrey Pine South, it's a straighter golf course, not as many dog legs. And so now that's where I think, it really plays into a guy like Webb's hand that hits it so straight, straightaway holes. You don't have to bend on the balls, not running through the dog legs. Right now, have you and, and Webb and, and the, t the teachers that you guys work with, have you found yourself ever chasing distance, trying to hit the ball further? <laughs> of course, a hundred percent. And this is the, the crazy thing about golf is in 2017 in August, Webb hit 280 yards in the air for the first time. Uh, since 2017, Webb's gained uh, 29 pounds of muscle in the last three and a half, almost four years now. Wow. Um, he's lost four pounds of fat, and he now has hit 303. So Webb's gained 23 yards in the air in the last three and a half to almost four years, which is a lot. The incredible thing is we've maintained our level. Like so, uh, wow. if he was if he was 100 and whatever 30th then, I think he's 120th now. It just shows you what's happened. And I know there's such a big debate right now. And yes, I know our technology is better, but Jack had better technology than Ben Hogan had Ben Hogan had better technology than Bobby Jones. Bobby Jones had better technology than Sarazen and all the way back to old Tom Morris. It's always been, it's the way the world works. But the thing that's changed is what's walking down our fairways, right? They're athletes. They're athletes. What changed because of tiger and VJ and Phil is you've got these kids that shouldn't be playing golf. Go home. Leave our sport alone. They're coming down with their shoulders are this wide. Uh, they're cut like a V. Um, I, I heard recently that the average swing speed in the NCAAs is 5.3 miles an hour faster than the PGA Tour. Which So all that's happening right now is that we are being inundated with real athletes that are working hard. Uh, when I played for the University of Florida, I'm 49 now. and fortunate enough to win a national championship there. We used to run stadiums and do push-ups and sit-ups. That was our working out. We're now 
I mean, these gyms that they have are million dollar gyms that the golf team's working out at. So uh, it's changed um, and Webb's hungry, but he knows his place. He hasn't changed his golf swing to go get it. He's changed right. technique a little bit and he's changed his body a lot. That's great. You know, it'd be good to see Webb be, be in play this week, but it, I'm glad the USGA is trying to bring everybody into the fold. I agree. And, and give some guys a chance, not just make it a bomber's paradise and whoever can hit it the furthest can go up there and wedge it on the green. I, I love the graduated rough idea. I think that's great. Yeah. yeah, me too. I think it's great thinking outside the box. And uh, again, I think that's what Jason Gore has brought to the USGA that they haven't had in the past. Well, Paul, I'm going to let you get to the golf course and get to work for Webb. I really appreciate your time. And uh, good luck to you this week. And when you're back here in uh, Ponte Vedra, would love to have you on again and hear the story about how you got on Webb's bag. I know Webb has been just as good for you as you have been for him. And I know that the uh, Tesori Family Foundation does a lot of good stuff for the community that I'm lucky enough to live in as well and, and does a lot of stuff. So we'd love to have you on again sometime. But I know you've got a, you've got a U.S. Open to go in. That's exactly right. I love that plan. Thanks for having me on. Let's just make a plan. The next win we get, we'll talk about it on the next morning. You got it. So I tell you what, right now, he's a two. Let's have a two time at US Open winner on next time we see you. How good does that sound? I'm in. Wherever I got to buy into that, I'm buying in. It sounds good. Paul, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it, man. Have a great week. Good luck. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, buddy. I just want to interrupt this interview real quick and give a shout out to my friends over at Encore Golf. Encore provides some of the most cutting edge technology in a golf ball that I have ever seen. Their team in Buffalo, New York is changing the script of golf technology through their perimeter weighted designs, which offer players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course. With their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, they are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show.